You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by the NWHL. That's right, not the NHL. They would never sponsor us or give us access to the Rangers. Why would they do that? But today we have an actual Riveter on the podcast. We have a nice interview with Alexa. She is a center for the Riveters, the Metropolitan Riveters now. And if you'd like, you can check out the games online. They have all the games available uh, for streaming on Sundays, even on Twitter. So check those out. Uh, thanks for the Riveters for giving us access to Alexa. Awesome interview. Tons of Ranger talk today. Let's get this going. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another wonderful, amazing six-game winning streak week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. My co-host here, Gregory Kaplan. Say hello. Mm. Yep. That's it? Out. The Rangers have won six in a row, and we're, uh, we've moved up only two spots in the Metropolitan Division. The Metropolitan so. is brutal. We went through this before the season. What happens when you get off to bad starts, too? You put yourself in positions where you need All to right. win. So we're Even starting six off games in a row doesn't so get you right back off the, be- off the ground floor. I'm happy. You know that, right? Like I'm in a good place with this team right now. I'm, I'm here to rain on your parade. I, I'm ready for you to rain on my parade, but today I'm fighting you. Usually I'm like, yeah, Greg, you're right. Today, okay. I'm taking a stand. Well, I physically, I, I almost physically fought you on Saturday, so it's fine. You, I just said hello to you, and you almost fought me. <laughs> um, oh well, okay. <laughs> that, no, let's let's tell that story first. Okay. All right. Um, before we get into hockey, let's get, let's get into Greg losing money, which is really what everyone comes here for. Everyone comes to the podcast to know about Greg losing money. I think that's clear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do it often. Ryan, uh, so we had our Brohegan weekend, which is 24 of us dudes, total sausage It was sausage like 27, fest. but yeah. <laughs> um, we go to every, every, I would say six months usually. This one was odd. This was like a full year in between trips. But uh, usually we go to Mohegan Sun for a big weekend blowout. All of us have a good time, gamble lots of money, have drinks, hang out with our... The legend. Uh, 
grandparents, Norm and Betty Cooper, who are just absolutely wonderful, lovely human beings. We've talked about them on the I, podcast before. They invite us to our their house, their, this beautiful lake house where they don't really know us. They know Greg like a little bit. Right, that's fair to say. But somehow they like feed us. I would, I would say they. I would say they know me pretty well now because every time I'm over there, I always spend like two hours just talking with them. Don't get me wrong. I talked to Norm for maybe ten minutes. I love the guy to death. But the fact that he invites twenty six of us over and then he takes a picture with us, we brought a picture to hang in the house. It's like an incredible. It's unreal. I couldn't explain it to anybody, but I'm doing it right now. So it, it's fan. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, Saturday around. 10 o'clock is when my buddy Jeff, who's been on the podcast, obviously, you know him. He's Dev- now the host of Devil's Advocate. Nice plug. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, and that's that's what they call a native plug. That one was all by itself. Um, we're, at a, we're at a blackjack table, and we're getting absolutely hosed. And for some reason, we've discovered that we're getting beat worse when one of our friends comes up to us to say hello. This had happened three times before <laughs> Ryan and Luis came up behind us. And Ryan and Luis both go as friendly as they could. Hey, how's it going over here? And Jeff <laughs> just goes, get the fuck away from us. And I go, no, seriously, you have to go. Yeah, because I was- And you guys are like, okay. And, and literally as you were standing there, Jeff and I both had 20s in front of us. And as you guys were getting ready to walk away, the dealer hits 21. And Jeff and I just look at each other like, this is unfucking believable. I- it was the fourth time that had happened. I was just coming over to say hello, see how you were, and to see if you wanted to do like a little bit of Mohegan Live video. And then you were like, get the fuck away from me. I was like, okay, man. <laughs> to be fair, I think Jeff was more aggressive than I was, but yeah, the but- sentiment was mutual. I get I, it. it. I'm not, not putting Jeff out on a corner because if he didn't say it, I would have. We, the, the, we, we got crushed on that table, I should say. But the six times we got crushed hardest – found out found a way to be each time one of our friends came up to us to see what was going on and it was uh it was it was miserable um it was not fun and i can't wait to do it again that's an incredible story you know what you know what's not miserable winning six games in a row greg nice transition consume the pizza my friends papa john time is back we have uh today we're gonna talk about losing so much money that company Look, listen, okay, I'm going to do, I think, I know we talk about doing podcasts on here a lot, and we need to catch up, we need to catch up on those, by the way, we need to do World War II, got to do Homeward Bound. Um, Our dear friend Joe Napoli is very strong, he feels very strongly about the pizza model, (laughs) and I need to bring him on. He feels so badly for companies like Papa John's and Pizza Hut, he's like, they're losing money, dude, you don't understand, like, they're a cut, but he's serious. Anyway, Papa John's is losing, not losing money, and he's raising the price on his employees all the time, I don't care. But, we're consuming the pizza, Bushnevich is now our boyfriend, Jimmy VC has no teeth, Matt Sucrell isn't going anywhere, Kevin Chattenkirk's a guy, Brennan Smith's never playing again, Nick Holden played okay, and Grabner loves empty goals, and we're talking about that all today. Here we go. In a row. Also, let's just point out, the reason why Papa John's is losing money is because it's shit pizza. It's really like, not be great. good pizza. How are you selling Papa John's in New York? That always blows my mind. You're in New York. Know. The best pizza in the world is here. Yeah. Well, I, look, there's good pizza everywhere. Every mm. mom and pop pizzeria shop, even in Georgia, I could find good pizza, no uh, problem. Well, I don't trust your taste. I didn't need to rely on Domino's or Pizza Hut or Little Caesars. I You just... Go to any pizzeria. The pizza will be better. I promise you. They're not hard to find. They don't hide. Yeah. They're like Chinese restaurants. They're everywhere. 50% off. I don't get it. All right. Let's talk about our boyfriend. Okay. Pavel Buchnevich. Oh, my yeah. God. The official the official guy of the podcast. Yeah. A little bit of guy on guy here. Love this dude. 
we had the privilege of going to the Bruins game last Wednesday at MSG due to our dear friend Diana, who's an original six listener. Thank you, Diana. Appreciate you sending us there. And we got to see him on the ice in person. He looked like a totally different player, Greg. We not actually, you know what? That's a lie. He's been this player the whole time. He, yeah, I was about he, to say he, he looked he looked just as good uh, when he was on the fourth line when we went when they were playing um, the who the. F- the Arizona Coyotes. I got your back. Yeah, there you go. All right, it was coming. It was a long weekend. I know. Um, and and by yeah, the way, he looked this good when he was on the bench while Tandergrass was playing last year. Yeah. Uh, th- with this season, we talk, we've talked about how Mika Zibanejad came out of the gate hot. Uh, we've talked about how impactful Kevin Shattenkirk has been on the power play and offensively for this team. I don't think the ra- there's been a better Ranger skater this season than Pavel Buchnevich. And I don't think that's exaggeration. I, you look at the numbers, and Buchnevich is creating the most opportunities, and I think his point expectancy is about a half point higher than the next highest player on the Rangers. Like, I think Pavel's is 2.92, and Mika's is 2.3 and change. Pavel, Pavel's been the best Ranger, and it's not even close, which, again, makes it mind-numbingly – Stupid that a coaching staff decided <laughs> to put this guy in the fourth line. It does feel really weird. And, and it makes benching him in the playoffs when we needed him most, like the offense he could have brung to the team, look even more ridiculous Brung? in hindsight. Did you make up a word? Did, which, which word did I make up? I did that a lot. Brung? Did I did brung? That's pretty good. He I, br- think, I think you did brung. He, he, br- he brunked it, bro. Bring, 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 brung. Bring, bring, brung. Uh, bring, bring, brung, nice. Buchnevich. Um, yeah, Buchnevich... It's not like he was struggling when the rest of the Ranger team was struggling. I, how many times on this podcast did we say uh, when the Rangers got off to that just shit terrible start, the one good thing the Rangers had going was KZB. And a big part of that was Zibanejad, but an equal part of that was Buchnevich at the start of the year. And yet the Rangers broke that line up to quote or try and spread scoring throughout the rest of the team. And somehow Pavel Buchnevich found himself on the fourth line and playing less than 12 minutes a night and, <laughs> how does, were okay how with does it. that happen? I just don't understand. Like the kid is a possible all star. You know how it happens. I know exactly you know how, how it happens. happens. I know exactly how. Yeah, it happens. coach is a moron. But anyway, yeah, Buchnevich, unbelievable. His move against the Bruins live in person, um, was just high art. We should give credit that play set up by Foster McDonough. But once Buchnevich has the puck on his stick, he doesn't need a pass to create an opportunity. And that's what makes him special. You know, there else? are only so many guys. There are only so many guys in the league that can create scoring on their own, and the Rangers have one in Pavel Buchnevich. It seems that way, and by the way, he's only going to develop to be a better player. We have something special here. I feel very yep. strongly about this. Like I, I know we ride the hype train a lot as fans. That's it, We easily do that. This kid, he's the real deal. He's got a ceiling that is very high. And you know what? One of his criticisms for who he was as a player was his defensive ability. But you've seen him really, really be really strong on the puck, even in our own zone. He's been attacking the attacking the uh, offensive players. That was a terrible way to say that, but that's the way yeah. that's the way I saw it. I know what you're trying to say. I, I wouldn't call him um, a a force in the defensive zone, but I would also no longer categorize him as a liability. Exactly. That's exactly uh, how I feel. I, I think that when you have a player as gifted as Buchnevich is offensively. As long as he's not a liability defensively, you take that every day and twice on Sunday. And he could be, you know, him and Heedle could be the possible future of this team. Those could be your two big cornerstones going forward. I'll uh, I'll go out on a limb and say it would be 
more surprising for me if in the next five years, Pavel Buchnevich is not in the top five in NHL in scoring, then it would be like that would be more surprising if that doesn't happen than if um, he, I, I don't know. He had like a bust. It would be very, it would be very surprising to me if Buchnevich in the next five years wasn't point season or something crazy like that. I don't, I, I don't think he has the ceiling of top five. But he definitely could be a top 15 player. That's where I'm raging with like, him. It seems like he's involved in every Ranger goal. It does seem that way. And maybe I'm just trying to keep my hype, you know, to a certain level where I don't want to get out of control here. But it, I, the secret part of me wants him to be like that, that monster all-star. But I just, I don't know if he has that part in him. But he can be a very, 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 very good player. Like a, a notch just below that. Um, with Speaking of kind of rookies, no, not rookies, but younger players that are sort of breaking out and breaking teeth. Uh, Jimmy Vesey uh, had a two goals in 26 seconds against the Bruins. We also got to see in person. And he's mm-hmm. sort of had the offensive uh, outcoming that he's been trying to get all year. Now, uh, he lost two of his front teeth. They were jammed to his lip. He got kicked right in the face. Uh, do we think this is going to affect his game? Obviously, yes, right? Like, hockey players are strong, but this, he, he even said today, like, wearing the mask, it's a little hard to see the puck. Oh, he's going to play on Wednesday, which is, by the way, I, I would tough say, for you. I would say wearing the mask has more to do than uh, VC's style of game changing. I don't, I, v, they're hockey players, dude. They get beat up all the time. VC's not going to change how he plays hockey because he took a skate to the face. It'll never. Blo- it always blows my mind that these. Like he, I, I knew he was going to be out and take a shift. He came out two minutes later with a mask on. He just had both his teeth jammed into his lip, like dislocated, jammed into his lip, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll play the next shift." That's mind blowing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be on bed rest for about three weeks. Uh, an NBA player would be out for four months. Take a shot to the NBA right now. Um, but I, I just I just don't understand. Like he came right back out. I was like, "Oh, he's a hockey player. He'll be right back out." I didn't realize he lost both his front teeth. They went directly into his lip. I don't know if you saw the X rays, but they were pretty brutal. So I did not see the X-rays. I wasn't looking for him either, though. I, I I saw it. We saw it happen. We watched the game at Norms. We saw it happen. I didn't need to see a replay of it. I it, was good. It was brutal. Uh, definitely recommend if you haven't seen it. You can see the teeth in his lip through the X-ray. It's pretty. But he's playing on Wednesday. The guy's a monster. So he's really v- VC. VC is another guy who's benefited from this this coaching staff from just no longer jerking him around and just getting the ice time he deserves. He's playing on the third line. He's not being buried. Um, and he's playing on the same line with JT Miller, who's been fantastic all season long. Even when even when Miller's not scoring goals, Miller has been phenomenal. And putting VC on the opposite ring for Miller has been great. Now, one would wonder, and again, David DeHarnay has not been bad. Uh, this has been my point now for two straight weeks. He's been fine. Like four straight But months. just imagine, imagine what Miller and VC could do if they had between them. If they had who between them? Sorry, you cut out. Just any any other center, okay, and any any offensive center because DeHarnay is a solid two way hockey player that should be getting fourth line minutes and playing on the Rangers penalty kill, and instead the Rangers are expecting him to produce offensively, and to his credit, he is actually doing more than what I would have expected him to do. But it's just there's still untapped potential putting someone between Miller and VC, or just putting Miller in the middle and letting VC and a different winger play up on that third line. There's the, the, that the thing that's most frustrating about this streak. Yeah. It's a six game win streak. There are very few 
people in this world that should be complaining about ever being on a six game win streak, but this team could just be so much better. And they're, for whatever reason, they're just not, they're not looking to improve themselves. They seem very happy with the status quo. And that's so, a problem. So it's, it's, they I mean, are sort of end. looking to improve themselves too, because apparently there's still a bunch of tra- now. These are all rumors and nothing from the Rangers leaks. We talk about this all the time. But Matt Zuccarello has been told he's not going anywhere for trades. So which that says to me that they are still looking to make a trade somewhere. They're still looking to improve. By the Rangers saying Matt Zuccarello is not going anywhere, signals to me that they're not real serious about making a trade. So what makes you say that for him? They told his agent he's well, not who, going who anywhere. Who are you trading? Who well, you trading? I don't know. You I, have to trade something. Well, they're they're obviously going to try and trade Brandon Smith because quote unquote he's out of shape, even though he played two games on the front. Okay, first line. what do you expect to get for Smith? A fifth round pick because like, that's all the value the Rangers are saying he's worth right now. Like literally nothing because they're not playing him. Exactly, and they're paying him four four and a half million dollars a year. Four point five, yeah. So I don't know what we're going to do with him, but is he? If he's quote unquote out of shape, why did we play him on the fr- the first line with Ryan McDonough two games in a row during the losing streak? So and there's just a lot of questions I have in general about what this organization is doing and how they're handling things. I think I think the storyline of saying Smith was out of shape was real convenient when they first started benching him. I, I honestly think Elaine Vigneault thinks Steve Camper is better than Brandon Smith right now. Camper is I, – I, I No, Camper is garbage. Do not say anything. I didn't say anything like that. I just don't – I don't think he's better at all. I, I mean, but, but Smith no, – I know it's small Brandon, sample Brandon size. Smith, they, Smith There's is- no defense. Brandon Smith, statistically speaking, has been the worst defender in the NHL this season. Yes. But that's also an 11-game sample. And anything – like, is the sample I, – I mean, you can. It's called 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, or 1. Those are all smaller samples than 11 games. Yes. But 11 games – That was t- counting with Bushred's breakaway. 11, 11 games is tiny. You do not judge a player's worth in 11 games, especially a player who going into the season – you considered for defensemen and especially a player who proved last year to be an effective force for this team and a good player, someone who helped stabilize defense when they were at their absolute worst. So we, there's a track record with Brandon Smith. And for whatever reason, it is hard to imagine it has been completely thrown out the window because Brandon Smith came into camp out of shape, whatever that means that and here's the other thing literally anything it has never been defined fans see it as one thing the media sees it as one thing the team sees it as one thing vague uh, description of a professional athlete one could possibly come up with it is undefinable it means whatever you want it to mean and it means his play is whatever you want it to be an excuse but that excuse expired when the Rangers set Smith for a fourth straight game. And I, I think the next game he sits is six in a row. Yep. He hasn't played once during this win streak. No, they haven't. So even this would actually be seventh game that Smith hasn't played at minimum. The thing is, like, are, are they even going to give him a chance? That is he getting back into shape off the ice? How is he going to practice? I honestly think Elaine Vigneault sees Steve Camper as a better defensive player than Brandon Smith. Maybe that he feels is the like he's only more reliable. Explanation at this point. I don't know. I don't have a way to defend him, uh, defend Camper. I watched Camper play hockey. He's not not really great at it at all. Uh, Today, for whatever reason, um, Camper has brought the best out of Mark Stahl. Explain why that is. At the same time, 
it would be interesting to put Stahl with an actual competent defender because Stahl is enjoying a renaissance season. It, it, it is probably the most surprising storyline the Rangers have enjoyed at this point. Stahl has not been a liability. Stahl has been trustworthy. He's still slow on the ice. He's still going to get beat, but I can't recall one moment outside of maybe the first three games where I said uh, Mark Stahl is costing the Rangers defensively. He's not. He's been good. Uh, it would be unfair to classify him as anything else. Ben, it makes me think how much better he would be if he had an, a competent playing partner. And Brandon Smith can 100% partner. If you don't want to put Brandon Smith in it's you can – that's fine. He hasn't earned them. When he's played, he's been bad. The two games he played with McDonough were not great. Though I should say, again, McDonough was unaffected by Brandon Smith playing alongside him. Exactly. McDonough's been this entire season. Um, well, listen, Greg. Um, but, right, right now, uh, Mark Stahl is playing better than he's played in two years. I think that's easily to say. Yep. What I want to do at this point in time, you're breaking up a little bit on your side. I want to go to our interview – we're gonna we're gonna restart technical issues here on, on our side. We'll go to our interview. We'll come back from our interview. We'll finish talking Rangers. We'll talk a little bit of nonsense from the weekend, and we'll get out of here. How does that sound for you? I don't know why I'm breaking up. Everything I'm hardwired and everything. Listen, that's fine. I, I don't know what it is, but I want to just make sure we restart this and make sure the quality gets a little bit better for ourselves. Because um, there there are points well, you, better, you better introduce you better introduce the interview then, because you haven't even mentioned who it is yet. Of course, and I'll I'll talk about that. I'll I'll have this episode sponsored. By the, uh, this is why is it so hard to say this? It's it's the NWHL, which is weird because I would think it'd be WNHL, but I guess just because I'm synced in for the WNBA. Um, we have Alexa Grushow, and she is a center for the Metropolitan Riveters. She will be coming on to talk about her life in the NWHL and uh, setting up and telling us about what it's like playing in the league. What it's like being player of the week, her sort of mental skills capacity, and what she does to get ready for games, and just generally, what's it like being a dominant center? We don't, we don't, you know, we have one of those, so we have another one coming on the podcast. So that's what we're setting up now. We're going to come over to her. We're going to come back, talk more Rangers with you guys, and a little bit of nonsense, and then we'll see you guys next week. All right, here we go. Transition. And we're back with our guest, or our first and only guest today, a very special one. We have Alexa Grushow of the Metropolitan Riveters. Alexa, say hello. Hello, thanks for having me on here tonight. Oh, it's no problem. Seriously, thanks for coming on. Um, I have a lot of different questions about uh, life in the NWHL. Uh, what was it like when you first got into the league, and how long have you been playing in the league so far? Well, this is my second year. Uh, my first season was last year, which was the second season of the NWHL, and I joined... Um, immediately after college, I graduated in May 2016, um, and then I went to one of the tryouts in Newark, and that's where I got connected with the head coach, Chad Weissman, um, who was also the GM at the time, and um, we exchanged a couple of conversations back and forth, and he offered me um, a spot last year, um, so I took it, and then this year, um, after us Riveters had a pretty successful season, um, uh, Chad contacted me in the spring and, and offered me um, another year. And again, I took it. And um, this year I started off really strong and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. 
What is the offseason like in the NWHL? Because I know it, it's almost everyone plays on a one-year contract. So did you have any idea of where you may be landing, if you were going to be able to stick in the league? What, what is that offseason process like for you guys? Well, in the offseason, everyone pretty much goes their own ways. Um, either people might uh, go back home for the summer um, or, um, I mean, some people do stay within the area of the team, so that gives them a chance to uh, train together or skate together. But other girls do go off on their own. I mean, I'm one of them. Um, this past summer, I went back home to Pennsylvania, so I was training and everything um, on my own. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much what happens off season. There's no, um, like team, team events or anything like that. Um, because yeah, with the one year contracts, you don't know, um, who will be returning and other people may just decide, you know, it's their time to retire, things like that. So the team isn't solidified year round. So that's why, um, in the off season, it's individual training, um, until, you know, contracts start being signed and then the season picks up in the fall. You won player of the week two weeks ago. Is that correct? Uh, I, this, this past week. The, yes. pa- the past but week. I was for the, the, yeah, the second week of the season. That's the one that I got. Um, how did you react to getting that sort of honor uh, right away? I know it's a typical sports question, but were you surprised that you got it? You, your play like from watching the highlights was pretty dominant. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like awards like that are always a bit of a surprise. You don't really go, you know, into the next week or into like, um, you know, when they're going to announce it thinking, oh, you know, this should be me. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise. I was definitely um, humbled by it um, because of the the amount of skill that we do have in this league to be given that honor it meant a lot to me and um, definitely took pride in that. Um, and my, my other teammate, Mie, had won it the week before. So then, you know, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Two, two ribs in a <laughs> row. Hopefully we can keep this up. Right. Um, I, I, another question I have is since the league is only four teams, like, is the rivalry way stronger? I know we just talked about everyone being on a one-year contract, but is you're seeing these teams way more often than you would, you know, with a league that had more teams, I guess. Uh, so do you find yourself having rivalries uh, more often than you wouldn't? For me, I feel like pretty much, you know, all four teams are each other's rivals because it's such a small league. Whereas if we had, you know, where in college you have, you know, at least eight to 10 or eight to 12 teams in a conference, then yeah, you pick out maybe one or two rivals there. But with us only having four teams and seeing each team so often, it just seems, and also only having one game on the weekend, it just seems like, um, every game holds a lot of weight and um, you know what to expect from the team from seeing them so often. So I just feel like each team is, is your rival in, in its own way, um, depending on how the team tends to play, whether it's more physical or if they, um, you know, have more skilled players. So I just feel like the rivalry is different for each matchup. Mm-hmm. You guys play in the Prudential Center this year. How has the move been for the team to move into – an arena that is used also for NHL games? Because that, that seems like a big step for the league. Well, uh, we don't permanently play uh, off the Prudential Center rank. We're, that was just for our season opener. Um, so we, we permanently play. At, sorry. 
Oh no, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. Um, I was just saying that we we um permanently play out of the Barnabas Health Hockey House, which is connected to the Prudential. But we were on the Big Ice for our first game, our home home opener. But home games from now on will be played um on the practice rink at the Prudential Center. And for the opener, you did a back to back with the Devils, right? That's what happened. Correct. Yes. Okay. So did the crowd end up showing up up early for you guys, and then staying for the Devils game? Yeah, there was um, a lot of people who did both. I believe that our attendance at the game came out to be about 2,200, which was awesome. Right. Um, it was really exciting for us to get that many people there. It was a really cool feeling. I mean, you could feel the energy from the crowd, and they were um, lively and loud and enthusiastic, and it was in the big arena too. So we we definitely were pumped up that game. Do you expect? You find yourself, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Oops. I was just gonna say, you find yourself, and when people think of the best American hockey player, they sometimes say Austin Matthews. They may have eyes on James Van Reems, that guys like that. But I, I think it's safe to say Amanda Kessel kind of changes the game, unlike any other American currently. What is it like playing with her on a daily basis? Uh, well, I played with her um, for the season last year. And, um, I mean, it, it was awesome before um, that season. I I didn't know her. I had never met her or played either with her or against her. Like, even in college stuff, I never played. Um, I went to RPI. We never had a matchup against Minnesota. Um, so I had never even really seen her play, except, you know, maybe games here and there on TV with the um, U.S. team. But, um She's great. She she's a hard worker. She never stops. Um, off the ice, really great person. Very nice, um, personable, and and outgoing. So I mean, I, I enjoyed getting to know her, and uh, I wish her the best of luck coming up in these Olympics. I think she'll be able to produce a lot out there. How much better than Phil is she? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say she's she's the best castle. Wow. Breaking news. Um, speaking of the league itself, do you kind of expect the league to grow and add more teams as the years come, especially since it's such a young league? Um, that's what we're all hoping for. Um, obviously, that is a goal down the road, whether it's a short-term or a long-term goal. That's what we ultimately want to do. We want to build our league, expand, um, stretch our borders, you know, across the U.S. Um, so that is something that's constantly being worked on and planned for. So we definitely hope to see it in the near future. How important is it for the league that while the NHL isn't going to send players to South Korea, the W, the NWHL can kind of seize the opportunity and really put their stamp on the South Korean games and show that what the product is back here at home? How important are these games coming up, do you think, for the league? Sorry, I didn't hear that. I didn't catch that last part. Oh, I was just, it was just, how important do you think these Winter Olympics coming up are for the NWHL? Because unlike the men, the best women from Canada and the U.S. will be playing in these games. Right. Um, well, it's, it's just very important for women's hockey in general, just showcasing uh, the skill and ability and talent that is 
within the women's hockey community, but specifically for the NWHL, it, it's doing the same thing. Um, a lot of those, um, a lot of the members of the women's team played in the league last year. Um, so it's showing, you know, this is what the best players in the U.S. have to offer, but it's also showing this is what players, you know, the best players or just players in general in the NWHL have to offer. You know, this isn't just solely, um, you know, what the Olympic team is showing. It's it's what our league is showing. You know, these girls were members of our league, and um, it, it just kind of, they, they connect to one another. The league connects to uh, the Olympics, and then just the women's hockey community in general. We're always trying to, um, you know, showcase, um, how much women's hockey is growing and how it continues to develop from Olympics to the pro league all the way down through youth hockey. Obviously, I would, I would think the Olympic team is your long-term goal as well, right? Have you been invited to any camps yet? Um, no, I mean, just back um, with the national development camps when I was a teenager, that was my only... Um, ever involvement with uh, the U.S. programs. How would one go about getting an invite to to a team like that? Do you have to know the coaches? Do you? What's your inside route to becoming part of the U.S. national team? Um, I would say. I mean, there's a number of ways. You know, you could kind of get scouted in a way or picked out, whether it's in. Um, you know, when you're younger, when you're 18 years old or younger, or um, playing in college, um, girls get contacted, or you know, possibly even playing in the NWHL if if you're showing that you have potential to be one of the best girls in the country, then I'm sure um, you'll get noticed, and someone will be reaching out to you about it. You mentioned being from Pennsylvania. Does that make you a Penguin fan or a Flyer fan? Because that could change the tone of our. Oh, this is really tough for both of us. There's no good answer, so go ahead. I'm actually, I'm actually neither. I have a very random uh, team selection. We're ready. Oh, uh, Calgary, Calgary Flames. <laughs> no, it's just random for me for being from Pennsylvania. But I'm a Blackhawks fan just because my dad is. I just, I pretty much follow whatever teams he likes in any sport. So you've had a very successful hockey fandom, is what you're saying? Yes, in you're, in recent years, yes. Congratulations, it's been really nice for you. <laughs> I can't say the same for us. Um, yeah. uh, for big Pennsylvania, are you? Uh, does that mean you're also you're just following your dad on every sport? So you're not uh, an Eagles fan or anything like that either? No, on every sport, and his are random. Like I, it's Blackhawks. Packers, Lakers, Yankees. So oh my gosh! <laughs> your dad. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like to me your dad had a real rough childhood growing yeah, up yeah, a sports fan. Tough time. <laughs> you too. All right. Well, I'm a big Yankee fan, as Greg knows. We'll get into that later. Um, but, but go Yanks! All rise. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask you about sort of mental skills training in sports. When you were at RPI, did they put you through any um, sort of sports psychology programs? Um, not specifically sports psychology. Um, we've had, we had a couple, um, I would say like team event type things where, um, we had, um, speakers come and, uh, talk to us. We had, um, 
we had a nutritionist speak to us. Um, we had, um, let's see, it was it was a group came in and we kind of worked on um, like learning about different personalities and and um, how to um, you know speak or react or communicate with um, all the different personalities. Um, so it was sort of a, a team bonding and kind of just an understanding experience, but specifically sports psychology, none that I recall now. That always surprises me. I, you know, I, I, I worked at, with West Point Military Academy athletes for a while, and we had a whole staff, uh, Center for Enhanced Performance over there. And I'm always shocked when other colleges don't have that sort of program. So I always like to ask that question of what you kind of went through uh, mental skills-wise how do you stay mentally tough on the ice? What do you uh, do? You meditate, or does it just come naturally for you? What's your? Uh, how do you get ready for a game? Um, well, you did mention meditating. Um, I've recently, within the past year or so, um, have been exploring meditation, but not specifically for hockey purposes. I don't do it with the sole purpose of mm-hmm. you know preparing me for athletics. It's just you know just kind of a personal decision. Um, but I think when it comes to hockey, I think it's, for me, it's just always been just naturally there for me, naturally internalized that, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to go out there, work my hardest. Um, for me, I just don't see any other way of doing it. So I just, I just am lucky that I do have that, that natural internal motivation that I can use every time I step on the ice. You mentioned going to RPI. That's my neck of the woods. I, I live like 15 minutes from campus. I think when people think of college hockey, they don't immediately think of RPI, but RPI probably second best program in New York State, you think? Right she's going to say first, by the way. <laughs> um, in New York State, you said? Yeah. I, the first two that always come to mind for me are Union and RPI. Well, I mean, Clarkson, they have a strong, they have a strong program they've had for a couple of years now. Um, and also, also SLU there. Um, they've been pretty solid the past couple of years. Um, let's see who else is in New York. Um, that's all Colgate I can think. I just think of, it's pretty good. Yeah. Col- Colgate. Yeah. That's, I forgot about them. Yeah. They've, um, they've really uh, turned things around in the past couple of years. Um, They've been doing, they've been doing well. But yeah, the big one I think of is is Clarkson. I mean, they're always good. They always have uh, a lot of big players on their team, and they're they're definitely a tough opponent. Here's a silly question that I I should know because I because I prep for this interview, but I don't. Where can we watch the Riveters? Um, you can watch the Riveters on the NHL website. Um, every game is streamed live, whether it's through um, the program we use on the w- website, which, which is Cross Ice Pass, or um, there are a number of games that are um, called the Twitter Game of the Week, and they're actually live streamed on Twitter. And then you can find all this information on um, the NWHL website. Okay, awesome. Uh, Greg, do you have any more hockey questions before we wrap this thing up? If you had a, I guess if you had to think of one player in the NHL that you model your game after, who do you think is the Alexa Grushow of the NHL? Grushow, Grushow. 
I don't know if I can think of someone that I'm most similar to, but just someone that I like watching that I kind of idol is Jonathan Taves, not just because I'm a Blackhawks fan, but um, I think he's very consistent all over the ice in every zone. Um, I guess I, I do try to try to model him, me being a center as well. Um, he obviously produces on offense, but he also takes care of the defensive zone and he, uh, he does his role well. Um, you know, being that third defender um, down low in the defensive zone. So um, I just think he's he's a, a smart player. He's a playmaker, but obviously he can also put the puck in the back of the net. Um, definitely a hard worker. So that that's someone that I that I pay a lot of t- attention to. Well, it sounds like the Rangers could use you then. Yeah, Jeez. for real. Um, a, a defensive center. Wow, incredible. Um, before we let you go, we asked this question to everybody. It's kind of a nonsense question that's very popular on the internet. You've probably answered it before. Do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? Um, I don't think it is. I just mm-hmm. think a hot dog kind of has its own category to itself. I just wanted so to welcome you for dog- being the official player of this podcast now. Um, <sighs> thanks for being on Team Ryan. Uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, hopefully you can be a recurring guest when you guys go to the playoffs and obviously win the cup. So <laughs> I'm all Team Alexa now, so just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's Alexa, it's a sandwich, though. You know that, right? <laughs> like when you, think, when you think of a sandwich, the properties that make up a sandwich also make up everything that includes a hot dog. No, no. She's listen. She said what she said. Alexa, thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> um, hopefully, we can make it out to a game this year. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, hopefully, we can make it out to a game this year. Uh, you guys play on Sundays yeah, or Saturdays? Uh, the majority of our home games are Sunday afternoons. Okay, great. And you guys play off the Prudential Center, right? That's what you said before. Yes. All right, so you guys could probably go out there and find tickets for the Riveters if you guys are interested in going. Um, do you want to plug your Twitter or anything else before we get out of here? Uh, sure. I mean, my Twitter is just my full name, so Alexa Bruchel. Wonderful. All right, so you can find Alexa there. Alexa, seriously, good luck this uh, upcoming season that you're already playing in. Uh, keep us updated. I'm sure we'll be watching, and uh, hopefully you guys bring home the cup. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully I'll see you at a game this year. Definitely. Thanks, Alexa. Take care. Bye-bye. And we're back. Thanks so much for Alexa for coming on. Awesome interview. So glad she agrees with the, the True Hot Dog Club. Um, glad to have her on mm-hmm. as the official uh, women's hockey player of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Greg, how would you enjoy that interview? She's, she's young. She'll get she's young. She'll get uh, she'll get wiser with age. You think so? I don't think so. She's because already she's yeah. the she's I, already I love... she's already right, Greg. She doesn't need to be wiser. No, I mean she's not, but it's fine. I just love that she. Uh, subscribes to the Ryan Mead Path to Fandom, which is just pick all the really good teams and be fans of them. Oh, or the Path to Fandom, which is follow your dad and then eventually branch out on your own. Um, but it, it is funny, though. Outside of the Blackhawks, like the teams, it, it, it is always funny to me to uh, meet Packer fans because it's like, I get it. You want to be a team of a very successful football team, but you don't want to be a fan of a team that is too successful. Like, that's the only difference su- between the Patriots and the Packers. Like They're the Patriots win Super Bowls, the Packers get there. Uh, yeah, you're right. Aaron Rodgers only won one. Yeah, so it's it's like you you won your title, but you don't want to you want to be a you want to be a fair weather fan, but you also want to work for it a little bit. I guess you know it's just so easy when you're a fan of the Yankees. Twenty six rings, just like name them all well, she, off. She is she is too. <laughs> I know, me too. 
Um, all right, so Jeez. let's get back to the Ranger talk before we head on to some nonsense here. Someone hey, talk- let's talk about how you can't root for Rick Nash. Okay, let's go to Rick Nash right now. I can root for Rick Nash, Craig. Yeah. And let me tell you why. No, you can't. You, you, you sullied him, and I'm not I letting you I did sully him. I was just asking the question, is he a true all-star on this team? He doesn't score the goals that he needs to. He does facilitate the offense Ooh. otherwise, but he's called. There's only one season where he was truly a dominant scorer for us. And I'm not saying he doesn't facilitate offense. I never said that. Go on. It, it, it sounded like it, if we should – you know what you should do? You should go back to the – what was it? Three, it was like three, two, three weeks ago? Three episodes ago. You should go back and pull that audio and place it in right here. And will, everyone will understand will that. that. You're saying you, Rick, Nash, Rick Nash is actually – you're making a different point now. And it's convenient because now – it, it's more obvious what Rick Nash is doing because the points are coming. But Rick Nash has been doing this all year. I'm a convenient kind of guy. He's been creating opportunities all year. The only, As I said then is what I'll say now. Just because the puck's not going in the net does not mean in any way, shape, or form that it's Rick Nash's fault. It's not Rick Nash's fault. I'm just like, I'm so scorned from, this is exactly what I said three weeks ago. I'm so scorned from Rick Nash of not scoring in the big moments that I, I kind of place that image uh, I have of him in my head on him in the regular season when he's performing. That's all. That's what I have against Rick Nash. I can still root for Rick Nash. I still like Rick Nash. It's not that I think he's a bad mm-hmm. player. It's just I think he could have been more as a player. That's all. Is it so wrong mm-hmm. to expect more out of your superstar? But that's the thing. Why, why is he a superstar? Why, is why, why, a why was Rick Nash cast as a superstar? He's always been. That's why we traded for him. He was a superstar. By the way, got Pavel Buchnevich in that trade. That feels good. Right, that's forgotten. The third-round pick that became Pavel Buchnevich. I, I think the characterization of Rick Nash as a superstar has been the problem from the get-go. I, I don't think Rick Nash was the best player on some pretty bad Columbus Blue Jacket teams. I don't know if that necessarily makes him a superstar. Would you call Jose Batista a superstar? I, I would say there was a time he was a superstar, yeah. I think so. You would, you would say there was a time Jose Batista was a superstar? I think he had two years of superstardom, yes. Mm, you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. He ran that team. I think... He put that I, team on his back. Uh, those were some very good teams. I don't think it was Jose Batista's doing that. He put on his back. He hit like... Uh, he helped, runs. absolutely, but I, uh, he was not bit more impactful than Josh Donaldson. Would you say Aaron Judge is a superstar? Uh, it's not Aaron Judge comparison. Okay, I'm just asking the question. That's the Jose Batista of the NHL. He's oh. a very good player. When on a bad team, he looks even better because he does all these flashy things and team puts up points or runs. But I, w- I would not say if a team was acquiring Jose Batista, I would not think that team is considering the that addition a superstar addition. He's Rick Nash is an excellent second banana, excellent second banana. He's not. A, I would not classify him as a superstar. But I think when we traded for Rick Nash, the it wasn't for second banana. It was for him to. This to be his team, for him to be the guy here. This is a five-year-old conversation we're having right now. Just, just I'm, not, so I'm, not sure, I'm not. I'm not sure that's ever true. Um, the most successful season he had here, not individually, but team success-wise, he had Marion Gabrick skating with him. And I, I don't think you could say one way or another that Nash should have been the guy over Gabrick. I think you're forgetting just how great Gabrick was as a Ranger. I'm not. He was very good, and he, then he crushed us as a king. Yeah, I I just – oh, actually, hold on. I'm getting my ears mixed up. I think we traded Gabrick for Rick Nash, didn't we? I think you are mixing this up. I, I think I'm mixing it up. Hold yeah. on. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, let's see. 23 
thirteen fourteen is the year we went to the cup final. Let's look at that Ranger roster. Our Ranger hosts. We host a Ranger podcast. That was my little theme song for us. Um, I'm proud of you. Thanks. Let's talk about. Fuck is Connor Allen and what was he doing? I can still root for Rick Nash. Is my whole goddamn point here. You say I cannot. I I very much can. No, I don't think you should be allowed to. You're an ass. Um, Rick Nash in the year the Rangers went to the Stanley Cup final. Yes. Sixth in scoring on the team. Behind Zuccarello, Stepan Richards, Broussard, and McDonough. Yeah, and I expected uh, more Nash out of him. Nash was sixth with 39 I don't think points. that's a problem, Greg. I don't think that's a problem, but at the same time, I would not say – I don't think even looking at the roster that year, I would have characterized it. I think that year, I mean, you would have been naive to think Zuccarello would have broken out the way he did. Um, but I, I think the veteran presence on that team started and ended with Brad Richards. I think Richards was – a more important ranger for that team than Nash was. I and I, I would I would say the same thing about maybe not Broussard, but Stepan was the young guy. I very look, young. looking at this roster. Looking at this roster, I would say the if you asked the Rangers gun to their head who the star of their team was, I, I'd bet you they'd say Brad Richards, and they wanted to bring in Rick Nash to complement what uh, Richards was doing. Brad Richards down was, the like, middle. was like somehow at the end of his career then. Like I, it what didn't make sense, but he was. He had a fifty-one, had a fifty-one point season. He fell off. He fell off the deep end shortly thereafter. But right, he was very good that year. Of course. All right, enough of this old school, uh, old school. A couple years ago, talk. I still can root for it. Yeah. Nash, is my point. I, I already apologize for saying uh, Gabrick and Nash you, played you together. I knew they had a connection. I, I was for, like, I, I, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that we that the connection between Gabrick and Nash was we traded. I was like, together. my re- recollection of of Gabrick was he killed us um, <laughs> as as a king. That's my recollection. So, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Shattenkirk. Not that we have it enough. Sure. I've hit, I think I've, I think people can shut the fuck up about him being bad defensively. That was my he's point. Fucking fantastic. He's awesome. What guys? I I heard it from a couple people. He's you know, he's bad defensively. I'm a little nervous about him. And then I have people say that message me and say, "Hey, what do you think about our power play? Where did this come from, guys? We traded for Kevin Shattenkirk, the best power play defenseman in the league. Sorry, Signed. 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 Sorry, it was. We, we're, we, we're not. We're not having a very good transaction. Fifteen minute here. No, we traded money for Kevin Shattenkirk for a contract. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what I meant. Uh, That's the terminology. Has Kevin Shattenkirk been a shutdown defenseman? No, no. of course not. It's not his game. Has Kevin Shattenkirk had a monumentally positive impact with the New York Rangers? Uh, yeah. Have you uh, seen our power much. play? Our power play. <laughs> we actually. It's devastating. We're, we're not, yeah, we're now at a point with the power play where I actually expect to score every time we get a penalty. It's, it's, and I'm like pumped to go on the power play. You know how scared I was to go on the power play the last five years? I was like, oh no, can we please play five on five? That was like the popular Ranger joke. I did not want to play a power play because we, we were way better five on five than we were on the power play somehow. And we got scored on a lot, which was really weird. Now, I'm the, salivating um, when we're on the power play. Mmm, it's delicious. Just unbelievable. The pass that he had to set up the Nash power play goal. No, it was Buchnevich's power play goal. The uh, the cross ice one. The one two three. Yeah, that's yep. Shaddy wasn't even the primary assist. I don't think. No, but he he just he sees the ice better than anyone he else. Sees it, he sees it differently. He it, really it's does. almost like he removes the sticks and only sees bodies, and somehow navigates pucks through people that Ranger power play quarterbacks haven't been able to do before it is 
it is a work of art. And anyone that is having a problem with anything Kevin Shattenkirk is doing defensively, which, by the way, is a Shea-Shattenkirk pairing has been fantastic for the most part. I still think, again, Shattenkirk would be better used paired with McDonough. But I, I, I cannot complain about his pairing with Brady Shea because those two have worked beautifully together. And I think it's making Brady Shea a better hockey player. I totally agree. And I actually want to make this point. There's a, there's a reason we haven't said Nick Holden's name on this podcast. And that's because he's been okay this last week. He, McDonough, you, know what Nick Holden, you, know what, you know what Nick Holden has played like? What? He's played like a third-pairing defenseman. A competent third-pairing defenseman. Ryan McDonough makes him that. Right. He's, he's that good. <laughs> in, in, in no way should Nick Holden continue. As good as Nick Holden has been, it would be irresponsible to continue to play him on a top pairing defensively. However, Nick Holden has played well enough where it shouldn't be a slam dunk every night for him to be a healthy scratch. The, the Brandon Smith problem is, not, is no longer Smith should be playing over Holden and Kampfer. It is now Smith should still absolutely be playing over Kampfer. But it, it, it is honestly hard to make an argument uh, to remove Nick Holden from the lineup on a nightly basis. And I say all that with the caveat that I think Smith should be playing over Camphor, and I would still prefer Pionk, Graves, D'Angelo playing over Holden. I really hope that Graves comes up one day and just rips it up. That's like, I think he's our next boyfriend. I, I hope he is. I don't know if he's ever coming up. Yeah, I don't think he's ever, ever going to be. I, uh, next, the next man up still feels like D'Angelo, and the next man up after that still feels like Pionk. Well, D'Angelo, like, I don't even know. I haven't even I'm, – I'm a terrible host. I don't even know what he's doing in the NHL right now. Is he playing well? He's I have fine. no fucking idea. Yeah. I, I think the overwhelming vibe is he's fine. That's not, that's not good, Greg. He's got to be good. He's doing what you would expect him to do in Hartford. It's just Hartford – Hartford is better than they were last year. Still not that great of a team. So, okay. there, there are flaws. Like, it you – know, I, I – I, Hockey is weird where a player can go down to the AHL, not dominate, come back to the NHL and be a completely different and better player. It's not a direct correlation to if you're putting up points in Hartford, that's going to make you a great NHL player. I mean, look at someone like my my first ever boyfriend with the Rangers was this winger by the name of Nigel Dawes, mm -hmm. who had 65 plus point seasons with the Wolf Pack back in the mid 2000s when we were in high school and he was, he was a burner. He, no one could stop him in the AHL net was never able to find consistent footing in the NHL. Wasn't able to score anywhere near the same rate. Now the guy's over in Russia and he's leading the KHL in scoring and it's not even close, but it, it, it it's weird. It, it, it's kind of like, I mean, we see it all the time where there are plenty of baseball players that dominate AAA and come up to the majors and they're just not able to do it. But shout out, shout out to AJ Reed. We we also we also see plenty of players who are struggling in the AHL get the call and then all of a sudden take off. Bunievis? I mean, Bunievis has done I, well. I don't know, but, but that's the other thing. It's not like Boo was struggling in Hartford. You like Anthony D'Angelo? He was fine. Yeah, he's, he's fine. fine. He's fine. I, I like him on the team. And now he and guess what he's doing? Guess what he's doing in the NHL? He's fine. He's, he's fine. a perfect fourth line center with speed. 
doesn't need to be anything else. That's all he needs to be. It just it's too bad the Rangers are playing with two fourth line centers. It'd be great if they were somehow able to add someone who can play significant top nine minutes. But I have a feeling that's another day for us. I don't know if they will. Another uh, the trade. I, don't think gonna. I think we're going to make a trade at the deadline. I'm afraid that we'll trade something of value draft wise, but I'm I'm going to try and stay away from that. The all the rumors from Montreal have died down at this point, so. I, all, all I'm saying, and this is what I've said about the rumors when they first started. How many times were the Rangers connected to Anaheim Duck defensemen last year? Uh, 90, it was every, it was 90, every thousand, week we were talking 90,000. Every fucking week we talked about Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm or Shea Theodore. We talked about so many fucking Ducks defensemen. How many did the Rangers trade for? Zero X, my friend. None. Never, and reportedly never even came close. Which... Which, why are we talking about it? Why am I wasting my time? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The, the NHL trade rumors and they just. I feel like every other sport I, they're, trade they're rumors weird. have serious clout, right? Like in baseball, you hear someone's talking. It's probably true. Like, yeah. and in same, not that trades happen in the NFL, but if any trade rumor comes out, it's probably true. I. But the NHL, we get these rumors, but they're all fabricated by sort of bloggers like us, right? Are we even bloggers? Uh, I don't really think we are. Well, so there's always – in the NHL, more than any other sports, they feel like half-truths. The truth is the Rangers sent a very large contingent to game, and in that contingent was Glenn Sather and others. That is 100% true. What no one was able to figure out is why they were there, and that's where the the, the speculation false end of the story is – it is safe to assume the Rangers were looking at Alex Galchenyuk, but we don't know. It's safe to assume that the Rangers, in order to get someone like Alex Galchenyuk, they would have to trade someone like Matt Zuccarello. That doesn't mean the Rangers would ever do that trade, but you are connecting the dots in an appropriate manner. Yeah, I guess the, you are. We, we just, just never we, the, but the we just never know what the Rangers are really doing. We yeah. knew the Rangers were there. We don't know why the Rangers were there. Yeah. The Rangers could have been there for a number of reasons. Maybe there's a nice strip club uh, out where they were in Ottawa. Well, and they were in Montreal. And, just I, and I, see some booty. I guarantee there was a nice strip club there. It's Montreal. Yeah. It's uh, I know for a fact. Not for a fact. I guess I've never been. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe. Maybe. I, it is. It is. Uh, you can make the conclusion that the Rangers were there to scout out Galchenyuk. As accurately as you can make the conclusion that Glenn Sather just wanted to see some booty. <laughs> the, the mental image of Glenn Sather being like, let's go to Montreal. Hey, to scout the players? No, I want to see some booty. <laughs> like, the mental image of saying, that conversation you know what? is incredible. Uh, that's, that's a podcast interview I would love to have with Glenn Sather. Glenn, you went to Montreal uh, to scout Alex Gachenyuk. Did you also see some booty while you were there? Glenn, Glenn, you've put together Stanley Cup winning teams in Edmonton. You've traded and have been connected to players like Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey. How much booty do you like? <laughs> What's your kind of booty, Glenn? <laughs> do do you, Glenn, say there, but donk a donk. Yeah. What, and bump a bump bump. Yeah. Do you do those things, Glenn? And, and if you do, are you interested in trading for those also? All right. Glenn, what is your biggest career highlight? Is it winning those cups with the Edmonton Oilers or is it club super sex? <laughs> Glenn, what's your number one booty prospect this year? Okay. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, what is your top five? And I'm not talking NHL players. Yeah, give me the real deets. 
Glenn, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Are, Glenn, are you a Destiny guy or are you more Sapphire? Right. Glenn, is it come natural for you or are you more of a uh, artificial medicine kind of guy these days? Glenn, can you answer for us once and for all, is there no sex in the champagne room? I feel like you know, Glenn. And it's fine. You don't, you don't leak things, Glenn. But just this one time for Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast, maybe you can give an insight to your booty prospect. All right. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a path I didn't expect. To I did down. not expect to go on the Glenn booty train. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Glenn Sather, he only goes to scout the booty. And uh, that'll be the new tip. Now, I think, I, think it's, I think it's safe to say, anytime we bring up Sather, henceforth, yeah. booty Sather. Oh, booty Sather. Uh, and whenever uh, now Glenn gets spotted anywhere else, uh, it's, it's hashtag scout the booty. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Glenn spotted in Anaheim. Uh, hashtag scout the booty. We're, we're getting ready to send out our stickers to our Patreon subscribers currently. We are. I can already guarantee you I the second batch. I guarantee you the second batch has Glenn scouts the booty. <laughs> Booty, booty Sailor is going to be heavily featured in our next round of stickers. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks so much for all our Patreon supporters again. That was amazing. All right. Let's talk about a little bit of uh, – we're done with the Rangers for today, are we? Oh, actually, let's do uh, our, our segment. We missed the segment, my friend. Yeah. The upcoming sure. ho- upcoming holidays. Oh, this week. And but we're previewing just, all just the games. To, just to recap, our Rangers segment, Pavel Buchnevich, official guy of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Yep. Kevin Shattenkirk, better. Shut up. Rick Nash. You're not allowed to – Ryan is not allowed to root for him, and you're not allowed to hate him, the, uh, you as in the listeners. Yep. Um, Steve Camper she'll, still shouldn't be in the lineup. Brandon Smith still should be in the lineup. Mark Stahl, actually good. Uh, Nick yep. Holden, actually not the worst. And, uh, yeah, that, that I would say is our – oh, wait, hold on. Oh. No, I came up with a theory during our game on Saturday that you and I talked about. Okay. I am now con- I am now convinced that uh, the reason why Elaine Vino is hard on David DeHarnay is not because of anything David DeHarnay has done. It's just when Elaine Vino sees DeHarnay on the ice, he forgets that it's not Martin St. Louis. And and that's a good theory, Greg. And that's because of the height, right? Right. It's the, the height. It's the, the head. The, the head. It's, the head shape. The height. The, the ability to shoot from a corner and miss. When you do a quick, like, take to the game and you see someone of that size without long hair on the ice, I'm like, Wait, it's not St. Louis. I don't know. I'm just – my head is playing tricks with me. And I think A.V. is just – he's chewed too much gum in his life that it's done something to his brain. So anytime he sees DeHarnay, he thinks it's Martin St. Louis and gets angry that St. Louis is not doing things one would expect St. Louis to do. Which I will say this: uh, if you were to put Martin St. Louis expectations on David DeHarnay, he's definitely not living up to them. <laughs> I don't know why you would put those expectations on him, but might as yes, well bench him, Greg. It, it just true. makes the most sense. <laughs> yes, it is true. David DeHarnay is not Martin St. Louis. Huh. So Elaine Vino strikes again. And I think what we're really trying to say here is we crack cases on Blue Shirts Breakaway. We really dig That's into right. the analysis and we find things like Glenn loves booty. And that uh, Glenn are- loves booty, and Elaine Vigneault thinks uh, David Aronay is actually Martin St. Louis. We've really done all the investigative reporting we could ever do in this podcast. Uh, let's end up here. What with- we haven't figured out yet is Steve Camper. That one is still a mystery to Special us. Special K, you mean? That's his new nickname. <laughs> are you in with Steve? You're not down with Special K? <laughs> no, I'm not, because I feel like that has a real negative connotation on Special, and I don't like that. He's a special guy. He's a good player. He's, you know, he's, he's, a- he's special to AV. You like the spin zone? 
you're, you're trying. I'm gonna let you have it. Thank I you. don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to peel back the layers of that onion. I'll just spin. Yeah. Well. Anyway, next to our next segment. Uh, upcoming schedule one games here and national holidays that that go with them. November fifteenth, we are at Chicago for another uh game without Sam Rosen. That kind of makes me sad, to be honest. Uh, it is mm. National Clean Out Your Fridge Day. When's the last time you cleaned your fridge, Greg? I never have enough things in my fridge where it warrants cleaning. I feel like I put too much in my fridge and everything goes bad, and I don't eat enough. Like I gotta be better at managing food. I just love food. I have too much of it. And I always end up yeah, being, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, definitely not the same way. This isn't the for eggs everyone are out eaten there. Before. Yeah, yeah. Egg, the eggs are eaten before the expiration date. The milk is drank before the extra expiration date. Uh, jelly never goes bad. The sp- spaghetti sauce is done. Um, you have the most basic. Diet. Yeah, I don't. I cheese doesn't like American cheese doesn't go bad. No, nope. I don't think so. Listen, everyone, so, this isn't for everybody. If you're out there and you had to clean your fridge in three months, just do yourself a favor. It feels so good when you do it. Friday at the Blue Jackets, it's Little Mermaid Day. Did Disney what? buy that? Like, I don't understand. Is that great marketing? Because now on Friday on Twitter, everything's going to be Little Mermaid, great right? Marketing? I don't know. Mm, Did, will it? Will people realize it's Little Mermaid Day? Because I, I feel like couldn't couldn't Disney just choose any day as Little Mermaid Day? It's not like people fucking fact check this shit. I know, but and. On Twitter, if it's National Anything Day, everyone tweets about it. So maybe a Little Mermaid Day. Watch out for Little Mermaid tweets on Friday. They're going to be huge. No, but that's that's my point. Like if Disney was just sitting around on a Thursday, not having paid for a national holiday and just goes, today we're going to decide it's Little Mermaid Day and they our entire Twitter feed is going to be Little Mermaid. It doesn't matter, right? They automatically cause, cause trending like without doing anything. Right. So why why spend the money? Because we figured out that it costs money. It does to get these national holidays recognized. Why spend money on something you can just do whenever the fuck you want? I don't understand. That being said, uh, they just announced the the live action Lion King movie with this cast that is out of this world. Dope, uh, Dope cast. I wonder if the Little Mermaid is next. That's a good question. They're gonna. I think they're gonna do live action everything for Disney movies, and I'm not sure how I feel. I don't know. Mermaid movies. Uh, hot take. Overrated. All overrated. of them. They all suck. Is there another mermaid movie? What's another mermaid movie? <laughs> name one. I feel like there has to be other mermaid movies. <laughs> but, the fact that we don't know the names of them is why they suck. Okay. Sunday versus Senators at home. I love a Sunday night game, 7 o'clock. Don't have to watch football ever again. It's National Blow Your Bagpipes Day. Oof. I love a good bagpipe, Greg. And I, just something about bagpipes that make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's probably the Irish part of me. Um, and that's what? it. That's our analysis of the game. I think we'll go 2 I and think... 3. Hold on. Now, aren't... Uh... Aren't bagpipes Scottish more so than Irish? Uh, I'm Scottish too. Both my parents are adopted. I'm, gonna, I'm looking. All right. Uh, bagpipes, Wikipedia. Definitely Scottish. I think. Uh, yep, Scottish. Scottish uh, heritage, buddy. Oh, you know, Irish took it too. So learn, learn your fucking heritage. I think we beat the Blackhawks, we lose to the Blue Jackets, and we beat the Senators two out of three. That's my prediction. Um... I don't know. I don't make predictions anymore. That's fine. You're done with those. Uh, that's just my prediction. Let's talk about your little conspiracy theory about the Mets and get the hell out of here. Let's do it. So uh, this weekend, last weekend, the Mets had a team wedding, basically. Travis Darno got married. Uh, congratulations to TEA and his lovely wife. Many years of happiness, yada, yada. Anyway, obviously, if a teammate is getting married, a lot of uh, teammates and ex-teammates will be at this wedding. My internet research has shown, um, first of all, Eric Campbell, former Met great, uh, who I probably have griped about more so than maybe any other non-Harvey Met on this podcast, was at the wedding. Good for him. He got an invite. Uh, Matt Harvey also at the wedding. 
Uh, Addison Reed was at this Reading, even though he got traded midseason. Jacob DeGrom, obviously there. Kevin Ploiecki, TDA's partner in crime, was there. A lot of prominent Mets there. Jacob DeGrom, did I already say him? I'll say him again because he's that important. important. However, speaking of important, uh, while DeGrom, Harvey, and Zach Wheeler are at this wedding, Noah Syndergaard is not. Now, Mm. I've been doing some internet research, and I haven't been able to figure out if Syndergaard had previous engagements this weekend that he couldn't make it. Uh, I follow both Syndergaard <laughs> and his lovely girlfriend, uh, Alex Cooper, on Instagram. And it's not like there were couple pictures from the weekend, so I can't positively say they were even hanging out together. But I, I find it alarming that almost every significant member of the Mets pitching staff is at this wedding, except for Syndergaard. I would, now, I would have expected what is your takeaway from this? Uh, my takeaway is, I think my biggest takeaway is honestly, if TDA had this wedding last off season, there's no way Harvey would have been there because Harvey would have thought he was too big. Right. And it sucks. He feels like he needs to keep his friends in baseball. That was my number one takeaway. Basically, I could make any situation about Matt Harvey a negative, uh, and I, I can do it no problem. Yeah, well, my you other, hate Matt Harvey. It's not that hard to do. My, my, other, my other takeaway is I, I'm worried that Syndergaard my, – my initial gut reaction is I'm worried Syndergaard thinks he's bigger than the team. Oh, no. Um, oh, that's no. my biggest fear with any of my favorite players. Uh, but it's also just possible – because Conforto was at the wedding, and Syndergaard and Conforto are tight. So I feel like if Conforto was going, Syndergaard would have gone – which leads me to think Syndergaard must have had some other commitment already on the books. It's, it must have been family-related because gun, it's not on gun to your head. picture form. Syndergaard a Met for life? Gun to my head? No. Okay. All right. Just, Just because pitching is expensive and pitchers break. You, if you put a gun to my head after 2013, would Matt Harvey be a Met for life? No, I would have said no to that. You would have said no. Um, I know you would have said no. I... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I like giving out long-term contracts. He's only done it. The only four-year contracts he's given out as a Met general manager. Curtis Granderson? Yoannis Cespedes, uh, David Wright. And those are your four-year plus contracts Alderson has given out. And Alderson, I bet you, if Alderson ever writes a tell-all book about his tenure as Mets general manager, he'll be the first one to tell you that the David Wright contract was less about thinking – Wright will be a good player for the length of this contract and more. He's David Wright. He's earned this contract. Met fans will revolt if David Wright is no longer a Met. That's fair. You can really make a case. The only four-year contracts Alderson has given out to true free agents is Granderson. And Cespedes. Uh, When Jacob deGrom is a free agent, he's already going to be, I think, like 32 or 33. So I can't see breaking the bank for deGrom. I could see DeGrom getting the two years of arbitration bought out and first two years of free agency bought out, something like that. But I wouldn't call DeGrom a Met for life. And if there was a pitcher Alderson was going to give a five-year contract to, I would say it's Noah Syndergaard. But it definitely is. I just, I, I just, there's, there's no track record there. Alderson just doesn't do it. Uh, Alderson, just- Alderson brings up young players, uses the young players, and we just the young players that have been brought up. 
Anderson, none have reached a point where the Mets need to worry about free agency status and Harvey's going to be the first and there's no reason to extend Matt Harvey. There's no way they do it. There's a 0% chance. I'd like to no. congratulate uh, Aaron Judge on winning Rookie of the Year unanimously and then also Cody Bellinger for winning Rookie of the Year. Two of my boyfriends. Very nice. Uh, neither surprising, by the way. None at all. So uh, Judge, will we'll see what happens next year with him if he can continue his monster uh, sort of MVP type player. That's what he is. I, I said this before the playoffs. I, I've been very consistent about this. I still think Jose Altuve is my AL MVP, and I still think Paul Goldschmidt is my NL MVP. I think I'm going. I think I'm going to go Judge and Votto, and I know I'm wrong. So there you go. All right, Gregory. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you all next week. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Breakaway. Support us on Patreon. Throw a dollar at our faces at Blue Shirts Breakaway on Patreon. And that's it. Anything yeah, I think else? We're up to 65 followers now. We're five away. Oh, wait. I said five. What I meant was four away from follower 69. Just saying. <laughs> nice. Nice. You want to be that person? You can do it. All right. Thanks again to Alexa for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Love you all. Bye-bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.